Hello and welcome to the Praying Christian Women podcast. I am Alana here with Jamie. How are you, Jamie? Doing well. How are you doing today? I'm good. Kids off to a good school year so far? So far, so good. How about you? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Yeah. My youngest is doing his first year. one that year. just started. Yeah. yeah. Um, so he's doing eighth grade, full days at the public school. He's exhausted, but doing so good. He's also running cross country. So like it's full, full days for him. Oh, but that's good. Yeah. We're just really proud. He's doing a great job, like keeping up. He, day one, he brought home all the paperwork, got us to sign it. Like, you know, just things that are, you know, signs of maturity and he's getting himself to the bus and working really, really hard to keep up with everything. So yeah, we are very proud of him. That's great. I'm noticing that in our seventh grader who's, mm-hmm. you know, first time in middle school and yeah, um, just, he's kind of embracing the like independence and the exactly things to do going, taking initiative and going into teachers and stuff. It's fun. It's fun mm-hmm. to see them kind of transforming so it is yep like a little baby birdies flying out of their little baby nests <laughs> i'm sure they would love our teenage boys would love i'm sure they to would be referred to as little baby birdies <laughs> but we're we're talking just amongst ourselves so it's that's okay. right they don't <laughs> listen to this podcast no nope, no nope, they're not the target audience so <laughs> <laughs> well i am excited about what we get to chat about today so yeah. for people who didn't know jamie and Her oldest son were on a mission trip in Guatemala this summer, and she has come back with all of the answers to all of life's questions, and she is going to enlighten us in the next, what, 20 minutes? You're going to tell us everything that anybody ever needs to know about everything, yeah? It is. That's the great thing about short-term missions is you go and (laughs) and you all of a sudden you're an expert on everything. I can't wait. (laughs) So... The way this trip got started um, or the idea came of it was um, we were looking for an opportunity for our oldest to do a mission trip. And um, he graduates at the end of this year. And so, you know, we just wanted an opportunity for him to go somewhere, maybe use some of the gifts that he has in in Mm -hmm. a mission trip, short term missions. So what came to mind as we were talking about it a couple of years ago was um, our friends, Scott and Amelia that we've been friends with for many years, my husband and Scott go back to high school, you know, they met each other Mm -hmm. in high school and were really good friends and they were not able to have biological kids. And so they decided to pursue adoption. And so they, they were led to Guatemala. That's where they adopted their two boys. And during that time and that process of going through like the whole long drawn out adoption process, they spent some time in Guatemala and just loved it. And the way that they put it is they just, they wanted to give back after they, they got these two amazing gifts from Guatemala. Um, they wanted to give back and Scott is uh, Scott and Amelia are both artists. Um, Amelia has done all kinds of art, photography, painting, drawing, all of the things. Scott is a musician. Oh, she's a musician too. Um, Scott's a musician has worked in the music industry. He also does video and my husband had actually gone with Scott to Guatemala on one of their first trips to create a video um, called Reparando. You can actually go on Netflix and see this video. And it is just a, you know, it, it was just a really um, like an, uh, an effort that they made 
to document some of the work that was being done in some of the poorest parts of Guatemala to bring Christ to the to the people, to bring um, practical relief, schools, all kinds of things. So um, that kind of evolved. So they they through Reparando, um, they establish a ministry called Authenticos, which means authentic. And, um, and it is, it has grown into an art ministry. So they have a program. It's like a curriculum that they've designed called I am art and, or soy arte is in Spanish. And so they go and at different places, different groups, a lot of times it's, um, like homes for abused children or schools for kids that are in impoverished, or um, they've done other things like um, online trainings and things like that. But what they do is they go in and they use art as, um, as a vessel to heal trauma in, in kids and young adults primarily. So they just happened to have their very first trip since COVID was going to be scheduled at exactly the right time that did not interfere with with our oldest other things that he had to do over the summer and we just felt like god was really just opening the door for us to do this and the best part was he was able to use his gifts which you know he's a musician he plays guitar so he was able to go there and um be on the uh the large group leadership like worship team and he played guitar for that and he got to help um he led worship a couple of times for us as a ministry team. And then he was also able to use his Spanish skills. He's taking AP Spanish this year and really loves Spanish and going there. Like it was amazing to see him translate for me, translate for other people, have conversations and really grow in that area too. So it, it was a really good fit for a trip. And I went to, I feel like I was just kind of a tag along, but I did, I did. <laughs> I did a lot of meal prep. I am not really an art. I don't necessarily consider myself an artist, but I do love art. And, um, and I did lead a workshop in the afternoons for the kids. They just rotated through the different age groups throughout the week. And so that was fun. Um, but it was an amazing ministry. We went to a place called Opal house, which is, uh, it, it's, it's in like the Lake Atitlan part of Guatemala. It's like kind of up on a mountain above Lake Atitlan. And um, it was established by a couple of American missionaries that um, just wanted to create a place for um, kids to learn in in a healthy environment. There's some real um, difficult things going on in the in the school system that they have there, and it's very expensive also to go to school. So most people don't, and particularly girls don't hardly ever go to school, um, and so they wanted to particularly minister to kids and let them have a place where they could go to school for free and where they could disciple them. And also um, in doing so, just show the love of Christ to their families. Um, so anyway, um, so yeah, we did the camp kind of as like a, an in-house field trip for them. It's not a boarding school, mm -hmm. but the kids are bussed in from the neighboring areas. It's very rural area, very impoverished area. And, and so they're bussed in and we had basically an all day, like during their school hours, we did the camp. So that was what we did. That's awesome. Yeah. What would you say are some of your top memories that you came home with? Uh, memories. So one thing 
well, the the children and I guess for me going looking through the lens of seeing my child experiencing missions and participating in missions for the first time, um, just seeing the seeing seeing him using his skills and his giftings was really was really amazing to me and just seeing him in a new light interacting with people in a way that I've never seen him interact seeing him grow socially in all of the all of the ways um so uh seeing the kids just the children I mean it was children in general are just you know they it just it's seeing the joy in these kids was really beautiful to see because they loved doing the art. They loved interacting with the kids. Well, so we had quite a few teenagers on the team, which isn't usually what they do. Um, like I think I am art was not typically that many, um, they don't typically have that many teenagers, but seeing the kids respond to the teenagers, especially, but just, just all of us, the way they felt loved and love showed love to us was great. But one particular memory was I was pushing this kid in a swing and his laugh. I actually got my phone out and I had someone else push him so I could just capture his laugh on video because it was so pure. It was just pure joy. So that was, those, those were some good things, but one just huge thing that impacted me was every morning they would have devotions in the chapel of, mm-hmm. they, they have a big property. It's like 80 acres and they use some of it for the school. A lot of it's farmland and, um, but they, they have, uh, the first building that they built on the property was their chapel and they called it their first fruits. It was like their first fruits offering to God is like, this chapel is set apart for you, God. And, you know, I don't, I don't know how I feel about like, are there places that you go that are uh, thinner. When I was talking to Jennifer Dukes Lee the other day, we were doing an interview um, and, and she talked about thin places and, and that's, that kind of resonated with me about this place because every time we went into this chapel, I don't know if it was the circumstance or the place itself that it was set apart, that it's been prayed over and you could feel literally all the prayers that had been prayed in that place. But I have, I have, I, I have never experienced being pretty normal. You know, I was on the, the cooking breakfast Mm -hmm. team. So I was doing breakfast duty. So, you know, I'm cooking breakfast. I'm not feeling particularly spiritual or overwhelmed or anything by emotion. And I'm finished with the eggs and I run in there to catch the last 15 minutes of it. And I just, it was the sacrament. It was when, it was when we took Mm -hmm. communion every single time I went from, it was like, Instantly, I went from feeling like, okay, yeah, hi, God, I'm glad for this day. Thanks. You know, nothing super spiritual or whatever Mm -hmm. to being undone and just sobbing Mm -hmm. and feeling like I I might have to leave because I can't keep it together. Um, Mm -hmm. So I don't know what that was all about. And I'm I'm kind of trying to still process that. Um, And, you know, I know she didn't put anything weird in the bread. (laughs) (laughs) Um. So I'm, I'm trying to kind of unpack that a little bit. Like, was it this place? Cause there were other times in that place that felt very sacred, but it wasn't the whole time. It was mm-hmm. during the sacrament each time, but also when we were having 
scripture reading or music also. It was just Mm -hmm. very, there was just something about that place. And it could also be the time because we're, Mm -hmm. you know, anytime you're stretched thin with anything out of your comfort zone, I I think you thin the veil between the world and the spiritual because we're at the end of ourselves. We we Mm -hmm. (laughs) don't have as much to cling to in the physical when we're at the end of our rope, you know, and at the end of our Mm -hmm. own abilities. So I don't know. What do you think about that? Yeah, I think it's a little bit of everything. I could see a lot of it being you're away from home. You're in a totally new environment. I'm sure there was at least some degree of culture shock. So you're already like you're looking at everything with new eyes. And sometimes we get in such a rut. Like the last time I took communion that was not at my church was probably like 20 years ago mm-hmm. or something. I, I think it was probably at the Urbana Missions Conference where Scott and I met. So like 03 or something like that. And so when you when you're in a new setting like that, I think you're just already your brain's attuned to more kind of like when you drive the route from your house to the kid's school or something, you're really not noticing in general stuff because it's normal. When I go to church and take communion, it's usually kind of like what you said. Hi God, I'm glad I get to do this today. And it's not something that like breaks me open, but I could see, okay, so you're tired. You're jet lagged. You're physically stressed just because you're away from home. I'm not even saying bad stress, right? But you're you know, different food, different mm. climate, different time zone, different people, you're hearing a different language. So I could see that doing a lot in your brain to, to make it feel almost like brand new again, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could definitely see that. And just kind of, kind of like when you read the message translation of the Bible after you've right. always or read you just changed the NIV, anything, you know, you going from one translation anything. to another, right. you mm-hmm. see things in a new perspective and in a new, new light. So, yeah. yeah, no. And I, I very wholeheartedly believe that different places can feel more sacred and I don't see how you can get through a full reading of the Bible and, and not <laughs> say that too. Like, When God said, take off your shoes because the ground you're standing on is holy, like that wasn't symbolic. That was take off your shoes, like these physical parts of clothing that you are wearing because the physical ground that you are actually standing on in your body at this moment in time is holy ground, right? Or, you know, when, um, when they dedicated the temple and I just, I love the prayer that they pray at dedication. You know, when people turn to this temple and they ask you for help, hear their prayers and yeah, you could probably take it too far, right? Like you could probably, like, I, I think it would be too far. For example, if one of the kids got sick and you felt like the only place you could pray for him was in the sanctuary or else he wouldn't get better or something like that, right? I think right. that it borders on superstition right. and you, and not embracing that the Holy Spirit lives in us and yeah. we have access to God no matter where we are. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, to me, it's, it's so clear. Like I feel happier in some places and sadder in other places. So like, <laughs> why wouldn't it go deeper than that? Yeah. Well, it also reminded me that, you know, you can't conjure up the Holy Spirit. And what I mean by that is like, there are times when I just want an experience from God. I'm like, I want to hear from you, God, but I want to, I want to experience you. I want to sign in a wonder. I want a miracle or I want to, you know, and, Mm -hmm. and I've tried to set the stage or I've been at church for communion and I've been like, Lord, I want to feel 
mm-hmm. broken as I yeah. take the bread and break it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I, and, mm-hmm. and you can't make that happen because I've tried. Yeah. And then here I was every single day. And it just got to the point where it was almost like a scientific curiosity. I would get in right. there and I'd be like, <laughs> okay, God, like, is it going to happen again? Cause I don't feel like yeah. it's going to happen again. And then I would take the bread and I would just be, I mean, it was, it was unbelievable. So I That's do believe that it is. And, and, you know, I do believe that it, it has, um, Holy spirit implications. And sure. I, I do believe that it was more than just situational, but situational obviously played into that. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, but it just reminds me, you can't conjure up the Holy Spirit and yeah. and the um the fresh filling of the spirit or mm-hmm. the signs and wonders or anything like that. God is not a genie in a bottle. And yeah. um, you know, the balance to that is the Holy Spirit's always in us, whether we feel it or not, whether we feel him mm-hmm. or not. Mm-hmm. And and we need to remember that too. And I just think that in our everyday prayer lives, we have to remember that that even the times when we spend talking to God and we don't feel like there's anyone on the other end listening, mm-hmm. he's there and and we need to, those times are okay too. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think it's a good reminder, like not everybody is has the time or means or opportunity to just hop on a plane and do a short-term mission trip, but there can be something to be said for changing it up, <laughs> like change up where you have your prayer time every so often see if your church is open to just go in and pray for half an hour on a lunch break or take yourself on a nice nature walk and pray while you're out there because sometimes even just like I said we we get so much in a rut right like I I think about my own experience taking communion I like it I appreciate it but I I don't find it to be something that breaks me on we do it once a month at our church on a monthly basis it's something I appreciate you know kind of like um I don't know I, I can't think of a great analogy, but it's like, yep, I, I'm really glad I get to do this. And that's kind of where it ends. But I can see, you know, maybe you're with a friend and, and you go to their church or you're in a new setting or something where, like, I think in your case, it's it's an extreme example of like everything was different, right? And so you're paying so much more attention to everything. Now, we can't all move to different time zones or different countries, but Maybe we change it up a little bit instead of, like you said, instead of reading this translation of the Bible, maybe you switch to this one for a little bit so it feels fresher. Or maybe instead of praying in your bedroom, you go and pray downstairs in the living room or, you know, just small things that tell your brain to pay like one degree more attention, I think can help us stay a little bit engaged. Yeah, no, I definitely think so. And yeah. Definitely agree with that. Yeah. So how has it been coming back? Did you feel any, um, what was that process like? It was pretty easy because I had in-laws here. So it was Mm -hmm. not like just coming back to business as usual. It was Mm -hmm. my in-laws had come to help out with the younger kids while my, Mm -hmm. my husband was still working. Mm -hmm. And, um, so 
it was coming home and just being like, oh, hey, this is another different. They're here. And then when they left, it's just like yeah. when they always leave, hey, things are changing back to different. So mm-hmm. it was kind of an mm-hmm. easy letdown to yeah. not say letdown, an easy yeah, transition, stepping, stone. yeah. stepping stones back to home, back to real That's life. Cool. And so mm-hmm. it wasn't that difficult. Um, but it was I, I still don't feel like it, it was a lot of hit the ground running. Um, mm-hmm. and so I still don't feel like I've processed it totally. I still feel like there are things I need to go back and I'd like to talk with my son too, you know, and just kind of, mm-hmm. we, we got to share, I, I loved that we got to share a room the whole time. So mm-hmm. he would, we, I, there were days that I didn't see him the whole day until like 10 o'clock at night yeah. when he came to the room, mm-hmm. but, um, but we got to kind of debrief at the end of each day, which was very yeah. cool. Um, and so I kind of got to do a little bit of that with him, but, I don't know. I feel like we both have some things to process afterwards, but. And sometimes that's better done, you know, after a few weeks, right? Right. Like sometimes you get a lot more out of it if you let things sit and then you pay attention to, okay, here are the things that I I'm still thinking about as opposed to like, if you were to have completely debriefed, maybe like on the flight home, the things that you were thinking about then might not be the things that are really staying with you right now. That's very good. Yeah. Because there are so many and then you kind mm-hmm. of like what has stuck, what has been distilled down. So mm-hmm. I did, I sort of jotted down a couple things that were those things that were like yeah. huge takeaways that did not go away. And um, I would say one of them is that just hearing Scott kind of give the team. So our team was made up of 20 people from the U S and 10 people from Guatemala. So that the U S people traveled at different times, got to Guatemala city. And then we went from there to um antigua where we started but um Mm -hmm. the guatemalans met us in antigua so after that we were kind of like most of us didn't know each other i definitely knew i knew some people but most of us did not know each other and so it was we kind of had like a an intro to authenticos and how it came about and Mm -hmm. so scott um gave that testimony of how they began um Mm -hmm. authenticos and i had never heard it from him i had heard Mm -hmm. just kind of in writing but it was so powerful hearing it from him and just um basically the way he framed it was their very first film reparando it it's about a lot of these people that live in a place called limonada where La Limonada in Guatemala, where it's a town on the edge of a dump and they make their living basically reclaiming things from the dump. Mm -hmm. And one of the main threads of the story is this woman who takes doll parts and reassembles the dolls. She cleans them. She makes clothes for them. She basically takes dolls in disrepair that have been dumped and makes them new and she sells them. And, and it's kind of a metaphor for Guatemala and the repair that's happening Mm -hmm. after the war there. And just Mm. in general, the restorative work that God does in us through Mm. redemption, redeeming the, the discarded things, the broken things and making them new and whole. And so he talked about, and that's the same theme that their I am art camp goes on is the idea of brokenness being redeemed and restored and through the curriculum. And so he shared, which I had never put together that their ministry began with a no from God in their Mm -hmm. prayer lives because they prayed desperately for kids for many years. They wanted wanted to have children and they tried and 
that was not answered by God in the way that they thought it would. Mm-hmm. And he just said, you know, it's really interesting that the whole theme of, of this ministry yeah. is, um, is, is broken things being repurposed and redeemed mm-hmm. and restored. And this ministry was born out of brokenness. And so that was yeah. just very powerful. And this was the first time that their boys had been able to participate in one of their trips. So it was just very neat to see this full circle picture of their, you know, answered prayers. And then another thing that really stuck with me long-term about, um, about the takeaways was Mm -hmm. just Opal house and how just meeting the couple, um, the couple, Will and Diane, who established this, uh, established this ministry, it was just very humbling to get out of my logical everyday, okay, A plus B equals C life, and be reminded of what it means to take risks for God, be reminded of what it means to hear something that might sound a little crazy from God. And through prayer and scripture and confirmation, take leaps of faith and see them pan out in in crazy, incredible ways. And um, so, I mean, there were so many different things, but the one testimony that they gave that that stood out the most to me was before the pandemic, when each of them individually, um, they actually had dreams, but they they each had independent dreams that just left them unsettled and the Mm -hmm. the next day they were talking and um and both of them felt really heavily impressed that they needed to prepare for something and they just they thought about it they prayed about it and they were like is this do we have to prepare what do we have to prepare for and they didn't have any answers but they couldn't shake the feeling that they both together felt independently like they needed to prepare so they basically started making preparations they developed, they built new cisterns to hold more water. They made a way for the water to be taken down to the road so that it was accessible to the local people that would just come by from the local villages. Um, And they started storing up food. They bought more goats. They bought more chickens. They ramped up all of their everything really and started storing away the food that they could. And a couple of years later, You know, as he said, he remembers the day that the president, president of Guatemala, um, announced that they were shutting down and he knew he was like, oh, this is it. Okay. Now we know. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So immediately they were able to go down. He got to go down into one of the villages and, um, talk to some of the, some of the, the leaders in the different communities around. And they just happened to, at that time that he was there, they had a gathering of a bunch of people because the road to the market was shut down. So mm-hmm. there were all of these people that had no way to get to the market, no way to get food. Um, and then s- I think something else happened with the water, but that might've been a separate incident. But anyway, the, the take-home messages that he basically was like, we have food. Yeah. <laughs> so it was just, yeah, it, it was like very, um, pretty amazing to see how mm-hmm. God did that. And then, you know, just all of the other stories of how their ministry even came into being. So it just reminded yeah. me that I live a very safe, very 
calculated life. I don't take that many mm-hmm. risks. And and mm-hmm. I I'm not saying that we need to go seeking out crazy things to do. I don't think mm-hmm. that's for all of us at all times. I, I mm-hmm. think that at times you are given a calculated life and and you don't have a lot of surprises, maybe for a while at least. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's okay. I don't think we need to be seeking out radical decisions just to be radical. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? Mm-hmm. But I do think we need to be open and it's just challenged me to be more open to God and to be a little bit more open-handed with, you know what, God? if you ask me to do something, I'll listen. So I'm open. That's wonderful. What would you say, like, if you were to think about where you were at the beginning of summer and where you are now, like, what would you say has changed? Um, It inspired me to take time to be quiet again. And I, Mm -hmm. you know, I just, I've, I've definitely tried to take a little bit more quiet time to listen Mm -hmm. more. Yeah. I don't know, just the the idea of safe living, it's helped me realize that um, in my prayer life, I think my prayers have become a little bit bigger. Yeah. If I'm being totally honest, there are some prayers that I'm just like, this is probably what's going to happen anyway, but God, I'm going to just put it out to you just to make sure, like an insurance policy. Right. right. I don't recommend that, but that's the truth of my imperfect Mm -hmm. prayer life. And Mm -hmm. so I think I've been praying more boldly. I've been praying more open-handedly. And I think I've been looking for signs maybe to... uh, Mm -hmm to follow. I I don't know if that makes sense. It's a little vague. Well, I know sometimes people come back from an experience like this and there's, there's a sense of discontent. And I think sometimes that's God nudging you saying, Hey, you've seen what it can be like to be more um, radically devoted to me. But I think sometimes it's also like, like if I had a teen come home from a mission trip, I'd probably warn him, be like, you know, like this is a spiritual high. You're, you might be feeling all these things. You might be feeling excited a month from now. You might be beating yourself up because you're mad over something petty. And right now today, when you're feeling so close to God, you feel like you're never going to revert back to, you know, whatever you used to struggle with. And I think there's something to be said too, for yes, like if, if you're feeling discontent, it can for sure be God's nudging you to come on, Jamie, let's go deeper. Um, and sometimes like what you said, God's calling you to be right where you're at and, you know, that's going to, to be right where he wants you also. So where do you feel like you're falling right now? Do you feel that sense of unease or are you feeling right where you should be? I would say when I first got back, I was feeling a sense of wanting something more because, you know, I see the routine, the, mm-hmm. the even mm-hmm. rut could be used. Sometimes yeah. we all get mm-hmm. into those, you know, like the, I don't know, the, the step beyond just routine is kind of rut. You can wear right. ruts in your thinking, mm-hmm. ruts in your expectations, in your relationship with God. Um, so I definitely uh, had some of that and just thinking, what would it look like? And and I still in, in the processing, what would it look like in my life? Um, and it doesn't mean doing full-time missions because I guess mm-hmm. as an aside, um, 
when you go on a short-term mission trip, you see the good things and you see the, you hear the miraculous stories. You see like the, mm-hmm. basically the Instagram highlights. That's a good of, way to put it. Yeah. Of the mission life, life because yeah. they're sharing these things, but there are, you know, we did get to hear some of the lowlights and some of yeah. the things that are extreme challenges and, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and so I think just to keep in mind that when you're thinking about being discontent with the life that you're in, Mm -hmm. some of that is because you're not seeing the fullness of the life that you imagine romantically that you might have. Right. In reality, their lives, albeit they have done some incredible things, but they have a mundane day to day. They can get exactly. in their ruts too. They're in their ruts, yeah. So if they went on a trip somewhere else, they'd probably feel that same high <laughs> to Anchorage. And, they'd right? be like, yeah, this come is to, amazing. <laughs> come to Anchorage and see. But um, that's a but, good yeah. way to look at it. Yeah, but anyway, I, I definitely loved getting out of the the typical way of thinking and and just challenging myself. And now talking about it again after having not spoken about it as much mm-hmm. for the last few weeks. It really does remind me, I do want to get back to what was this about? What was, what was this, you know, communion experience about? What was this, you know, what would my life look like if I was taking more risks? Am I still doing that? Am I still praying that way? And Mm -hmm. uh, I think sometimes when, when you come away from, especially traveling to another country, you might be like, oh, taking a risk means that I'm going to sell everything I have and go be a Mm full-time missionary somewhere. And that's not always Mm -hmm what that's going to look like. It could mean saying no to something that, that you Mm -hmm. really didn't want to say no to, or saying yes to something that was not even on your radar in your day to day life, you know? So I don't know. Mm -hmm. I just, yeah. So I'm, I'm just continuing to definitely want to, at the moment, I'm not feeling restless, but I'm feeling kind of a renewed push now that I'm talking about it again today to investigate and recommit and re lay my life on the altar and wait for what God has to say. Well, yeah. And I would, I would keep digging about communion and ask God like, okay, what what were you trying to tell me? You were, (laughs) you got my attention, (laughs) which it seems like he was trying to do, you know, is it the desire for deeper fellowship with believers here? Is it the desire? Like what was the chapel like just in terms of its um, like layout and aesthetics and stuff like that? Um, it had windows all over looking, you could see the lake from the windows. So Mm, it's just, you're mm -hmm. looking over windows and there's just a little podium and then pews. And so you just had people, it was fairly small. I mean, all 30 of our team, plus some of the, some of the workers on the school grounds came Mm -hmm. and, um, so, you know, it was relatively small. Um, Mm -hmm. it was in the morning. It was like, you know. 645, I think was when, yeah. Like that. Um, and so, yeah, we just, it, it was, it was just pretty intimate and small. Um, yeah. Diane would usually share something and we would do a song, but then other people would sometimes give testimonies as well. And you mm-hmm. did hit, you did make a good point. Like the, the fellowship was very sweet. Like it was very, yeah. um, like the whole team, the, one of the, I've only been on a couple of other mission trips before to other countries, but I really loved the camaraderie of uh, 
international camaraderie. Let's put it yeah. that way. Because usually mm-hmm. it's like, oh, we're a, we're a group from America. We're going to do this mission trip. And then you might work with people, but it's not like mm-hmm. you have international people like on your team necessarily. Right, right. But th- that was very fun. That was very mm-hmm. fun to get to have. And so hearing... Um, hearing the gospel and the Bible spoken in English and Spanish, there was something very moving about that to me. Yeah. And music, like the music mm-hmm. a lot of times, one of the, yeah, hearing it in multiple languages um, and, and really, and I'm getting emotional just talking about it. Um, like unity in the body of Christ has yeah. been a theme over the last couple of years that God's been bringing up to me mm-hmm. really since COVID he's been challenging yeah. me on it in my own life. He's been bringing it up in scripture through our Ephesians mm-hmm. study of just the importance of unity in the body of Christ and yeah. fellowship and community. Um, so yeah, that, that could very much be a part of it because there was a mm-hmm. tremendous fellowship there that was, there was no reason for it. None of us really knew each other that well, but yeah. it just became, it was circumstantial. And you see that in the trenches, wherever you are, whether it's, you know, mm-hmm. I imagine the military or right, mission right. trips or whatever it is that you do, mm-hmm. you know, when you're, when you're together working toward a common goal, you can definitely yeah. facilitate that more quickly than you could in everyday mm-hmm. life. Mm-hmm. So that's a good point. You're good. well and I think a good takeaway for people listening is you know sometimes it is nice to get out of your rut Mm -hmm. and so whatever that might look like for you um, I think it's also a good reminder to be praying for for full-time missionaries and short-term missionaries especially um, we think of short-term and and I feel like there's kinds of two extremes and I think we we might want to try to avoid both we think of someone who goes on short-term missionaries is almost like a martyr you know (gasps) Jamie gave up her summer vacation in order to go like you know and we kind of get this like savior complex like and 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 she got to to bless these you know these poor little Guatemalan children and to just be kind of like to make it an us versus them and I'm so good because I'm helping them but then there's another extreme where um, there are certain pockets of the church that are that are fairly anti short term mission trips. And and sometimes for good reason, I will come out and say, like, I, oh, yeah. I think we had that discussion <laughs> in our, you know, as a group, we we yeah. did talk about, you know, yeah, there there's some definite red flags about the way short term missions can be done. Yeah, right. If you're coming like what really drove the point home to me because like you know we're in rural Alaska every so often like we'll get a call at the church and be like hey we've got a team of 20 people coming in on Thursday we want to be able to serve you and your community they want us to house them they want us to entertain them they want they want us to handle their logistics and this is their mission trip I'm like no you're tourists looking for a free church to sleep in you know (laughs) (laughs) so but um lost my train of thought, but I think it is important to be praying for the people who go on short-term trips to be praying that they would be healthy and beneficial. I think a really good litmus test is, is your short-term work helping the church that's already there? Or are you coming in? Because, you know, like, it's pretty insulting when someone knocks on our church door and says, hi, we're the such and such fellowship from so-and-so place, and we're here to serve you because, and, and what's written in the lines is, oh, because you're not doing enough in your community already. So here we are, put us to work. And by the way, will you please also house us and feed us and entertain us? 
<laughs> you know, so um, like I said, lost my train of thought, but I love that you got to do this. And I think it brings up some really neat points. And I, I think another good kind of homework assignment for listeners could be think about a time where you went through something like spiritually profound, sort of like Jamie, when you were talking about communion, like basically like when you felt this kind of longing that you couldn't even put your finger on be like, you know, where, where did this come from? And then explore that a little bit. Where did it come from? Or what does it tell you about the way you connect to God? Like I remember being on a bus, I was probably like late elementary school and I would do a summer camp every year up in the mountains in California. And the drive up was just so beautiful and, you know, like mountains and lakes and, and it really, really touched me, but I couldn't put into words why. And I think now, honestly, like, I think that's part of why I love living where I am so much. It's because we have this just beautiful vastness, right? And so to me, something I know, like if I ever had to move into a really crowded city, I would know that my soul would be longing for wide open space to meet with God. And so if I couldn't find that in my little, you know, studio apartment, I would need to create that somehow, right? Maybe that's getting fake plants and putting them, you know, like some something. Um, and so I think, yeah, so much of what we talk about here is what helps you to be the best prayer warrior you can be. And then what's one thing that you can do within reason, right? Like you're probably not going to be next week. Oh, I really want to connect with God. Let me hop on a plane to Guatemala and, you know, go visit that chapel again. <laughs> but what is it about the chapel that that really did touch you so much? And how could you incorporate some of that into your life here? That's really good. And yeah. I had one, one more thing, one more take home was that um, pertaining to prayer, we had most of our team got sick. In fact, mm -hmm. I don't think there was a day that we traveled other than maybe the first couple of days that someone wasn't sick or multiple people or multiple people weren't sick. And we were praying specifically against sickness and that they would be healed, that they would be fine the next day. And um, I just, it's just a reminder that, you know, you hear about, oh yeah, you know, the you know, Will and Diane, they had this, this dream and then they knew to prepare and God worked in these big ways, but sometimes you're going to pray with all kinds of intensity about mm -hmm. things and God's going to say no. And it's just like that, mm -hmm. you know, authentico is yeah. being born out of a no, out of a yeah. out of brokenness. And, um, there's going to be that that's going to keep going. Even if you're a Christian, even if you're a missionary, mm -hmm. even if you've, mm -hmm. you know, laid everything on the line, it doesn't matter who you are, where you are. There are going to be times that you pray for things and the exact opposite is going to happen. And that might happen for days on end or weeks on end or years on end. And we can't know why. Um, and is it discouraging? Yeah, actually. Mm -hmm. I, I remember mm -hmm. a couple of times being like, God, what the heck? Like, right. why? Why? We're could here you, serving you. <laughs> could you have not done something a little different here? Mm -hmm. And, but it, it's about that journey of how the what the response is to that sickness, which mm -hmm. I saw people basically struggling to get out of bed in the morning, still going yeah. through with their, their session. One of the teenagers yeah. that was there, um, his grandfather had a handmade 
these wooden cars for the kids to paint and then put the wheels on for one of the projects. And he did not want to miss it. And he got sick. And he, as soon as he was done with his session, he went to bed for the rest of the night, woke up the next Mm -hmm. day, couldn't even make it to breakfast, but he went to his session. Like Mm -hmm. this kid was dedicated. And there were several things like that where, you know, who knows what God is going to teach you through that. No. And what he's going Mm -hmm. to display to other people through that. No. So just an encouragement to anyone out there that has just been like, I have prayed and the exact opposite thing happened. What's the deal? Like, yeah, we've all been there and just know, like, keep, keep trusting and keep, uh, keep plugging on because yeah, God can do things through that too. Anyway. Amen. Well, thank you for filling us in and yeah, feel free to keep on sharing as more things have time to percolate and welcome home. I'm so glad you're back. Yeah, me too. Thanks everybody for joining us and we hope you have a lovely rest of your day. Thanks for joining us on today's episode of the Praying Christian Women podcast. We'd love to hear from you, so please leave us a comment to let us know what questions or topics we can address in future shows. Then hop over to prayingchristianwomen.com journal to download your free prayer guide. We're so glad you joined us for today's show, and we wish you God's deepest blessings as you draw closer to Him and change the world one prayer at a time.